Welcome to Bussin, the Greenville Transit Podcast. I'm Erin Predmore, the Executive Director of Greenville Connects, and today I'm riding along with Dan Tripp, who's the current District 28 County Council member who's running for re-election unopposed. I really appreciated Dan joining me because, as I mentioned in the podcast, he's unopposed. He didn't really have to, but it's great to have him engage with the community. Hope you enjoy the episode. Riding next to Dan Tripp, one of our candidates for Greenville County Council. He's our incumbent for District 28, and uh, he's right now you're unopposed, as I as I understand it, Dan. So I especially appreciate your visit today and riding the bus with me. Well, thank you, thank you. It's good to be here. And I think somebody once told me the best way to run was unopposed. So um, yeah, I've I'm heard not... that too. <laughs> I was my uh, sixth grade homeroom representative in student council. Won that one because nobody else raised their hand that day. I can tell you. Right. Well, and, uh, good. A lot well, of responsibility still comes your way, even though you're running unopposed. And uh, I appreciate the chance to talk to you a little bit about infrastructure and growth and transit and all that good stuff um, like that. But before we get started, tell us why you're running for county council again. So I stepped forward four years ago because there was a, a, a need on council for some leadership for, I, I quite frankly think, this for some young Avenue leadership. I think the average age of council when I when I came on board was probably about seventy or something, and um, um, so the last four years I, I've seen even more the need for vision on council. Um, you know, I know, I know if you're familiar with the news in Greenville and you read up on the personality conflicts on county council right now. You will agree with me. I think that there's a lot of vindictiveness, but there's not a lot of vision. And so that's one of the reasons I decided to run again. I, I was I was thinking about not running. Uh, I think four years kind of wore on me with all the vindictiveness. But um, I, I decided that I needed to continue to, to try to bring some vision to the process. Um, and, and there are four or five, there's a total of six of us on council that want to bring some vision to the process. We want to look at the budget from a visionary perspective rather than um, turf wars and, and uh, you know, just rigid ideology. Um, you know, we want to look at, we're, we're going to be growing 40% over the next 20 years. If we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to have the same problems that we're having with growth. And so there's a group of us on council that do have vision, do want to, um, you know, move the county forward. So that's one of the reasons I stepped forward and decided okay. to run again. Well, and I think that in those four years that you've been on the council, um, what would you say some of the major things that you've been part of so far that you're that you're excited to either continue or continue working on? So the first couple of years, I was I was pretty much relegated to the back bench, and I, you know. I, I tried to be vocal and, and lead now, from the rear, but um, when when Willis uh, Meadows was elected um, chairman, I was elected vice chairman, and, and that put me as chairman of, of finance. And, you know, I, I don't want to be too cynical here, but I, I will let the listeners in on a little secret, and, and I will call the emperor naked, uh, because as council members, we really are figureheads, I guess is the best way to put it, because the county staff is really the power behind the throne. Um, and so, you know, it's it's really difficult sometimes, because by law, 
we can't tell Joe Cornell and his staff how to do their job. Okay, so we're very limited in what we can do from a policy perspective. We basically have to stay at the policy perspective. So the reason I say that, when I tell you I'm chairman of finance, it's very high-level policy perspective that I have uh, on council, not in the weeds day-to-day fiscal management of the county. That's that's handled by our, our professional day-to-day staff. Um, but, you know, I think the last budget that we passed... Um, one of the things that I tried to do was to bring council members into the process. My first two years on council, we passed our biennial budget. I had no clue what was in the budget. I, there weren't any budget briefings. There were very little, you know, communication with council members on what was on council on, on the budget. And so I wanted to try to start changing that attitude in council. And so I pulled, you know. Uh, several of the staff members with with Cornell, and we started holding budget hearing meetings, you know, informal budget meetings. So the the new freshman council members, as well as some of the older council members, could dig into the budget and see what was there. Now it's it's a it's a 500 page document. <laughs> so even in a 30 or 45 minute or a two hour briefing. Right. It's hard to go deep you on that. You can't go deep, but you were right. giving overviews and making right. sure people understood right. what they were voting for and approving. Right. Okay. And and one of the things that we tried to do is it, we had a workshop at one point where we tried to to really focus in on the priorities. And for, for a moment in time, at the beginning of this two-year cycle, I saw a vision. Uh, I saw some vision. I saw everybody kind of putting their battle axes down and actually starting to talk about priorities. And I think as a result of that, um, you, you saw $10 million in affordable housing over the next last, you know, the two years that w- this budget represents. Um, we, we were able to get some other uh, things funded in the budget that I think went be above and beyond what we normally do in the budget process. So, you know, those are, we have very limited, unless you're a grandstander and you want to push political things on council um there's there's very limited bandwidth on what we can do what we can really do to focus and it's budgetary mm-hmm. i mean it's we, resources it's right, where are you going to put right, your resources because that's, right. that's what's it's like watering a plant right, right. water and it grows and right. you guys are the watering can right and, and we can do all the social issues and all the you know and i'm not afraid of those issues i'm a conservative i'm a proud conservative but at the end of the day greenville county council is about resource allocation. You know, how do we most effectively spend the tax dollars that we take in? Mm-hmm. Especially given the growth that we're experiencing, um, that's of utmost paramount. Yeah, well, well, and along with that growth, I mean, we've seen, like you said, we're, we're expected to have another 220,000 people in the county by 2040. Um, so that's that huge 40% jump that you're talking about. But that's not the only jump, right? Since the 1990s, right. we've doubled in size already. So it's right. on top of that growth. Right. Um, so what are your thoughts about growth in Greenville and, and how, you know, how should this next period of time be managed? What are you hoping for? Well, I, you know, for, for one thing, I, I look at the status quo right now and, you know, I, I'm pro-growth. You know, I, I think that, that we can't, we can't set up walls around Greenville County and say, don't don't come to Greenville County, mm-hmm. okay? But at the same time, I think that we've got to start looking at the process of our 
um, our rezoning process and some of our, our development that's going on in Greenville County. Um, I am appalled at the number of multi-hundred units that are going into these in these uh, developments, these uh, new housing developments on these narrow small roads. Mm. And that's hitting me in my district pretty pretty. You so know, kind of that road, that road infrastructure, right. if it's not able to handle the right. number, the density that, right. that's being allowed right. by the growth. Right. Okay. I mean, and, and I know this from personal experience. My wife and I are in the process of building a house in one of these developments. And Man, we have to it's drive. It's not for the faint of heart right now. <laughs> we, I know. And we have to drive down a narrow road to, to get to, you know, where our house is going to be. And it's just, it's not the quality of life that, that we need to be given to our residents. And so... You know, those are some of the, the, the unbridled growth that we have in Greenville County is a problem because we don't have the infrastructure to match it. I mean, we had the Supreme Court case ruling earlier this year that, that struck down the, the road maintenance fee. And, you know, that, that bites, you know, takes a bite out of our, our road budget every year. So we're kind of going backwards. We're not going forwards. We're, we're, we're going backwards. And so... I think the challenge that we've got over the next couple of years is to find a, 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 a recurring source of revenue for the roads. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have to, I, I think, from a practical perspective, um, you know, everybody talks about the sprawl, but then you, you get on a road like East North Street that we're driving down right now and, and start looking at parcels of land where we can do infill and everybody's opposed to it <laughs> right you know and so i think yeah. and there's a balancing act yeah. everything um, can't be infill right right gotta balance it and, and that redevelop the idea of redeveloping an area and saying okay now that we're bigger right. let's go back and look at the space again and we can put more here and we, we've got to improve what's there god's not making any more dirt so i mean we've either we've either got to look at the infill as a solution or we're gonna just be another atlanta well, and it's interesting. I was looking at some um, data this week about the urbanized area within the county. Mm-hmm. So since 1990 until 2018, so that urbanized area, that, that area of density where people are really living and we've got infrastructure right. and investment has doubled in size. Right. Um, so that we were taking up more space in Greenville County, but we're spreading out more. So we right. went from 2,600 people a square mile to 1,900 people oh, a wow. square mile. So yeah. we've, we've really shifted. Everybody wants to put their elbows out right now and say, this right. is my space. Right. Um, and right. Did, which, which I get, right? Like, when you have your own space, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not judging that, that feeling, but... It does end up. It does come with its own problems, right. and we've got to figure out how to well, it, how to it, balance it, those things. I mean, it is a balancing act because I, you know, I know one of my goals in life is to have a small farm somewhere, and you know, if I get fifty or hundred acres, I don't want somebody encroaching on that. So right. I can understand that mindset, and and so we on council have to have to balance property rights with smart growth. Mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good way to put it because I and now transit as part of that for for county council right now and I, I know that that you're, you're aware of this history but just in in 2018 council increased their uh, local funding their right. uh, allocation to the GTA or to Greenlink 
And that expansion of funding allowed GreenLink to expand their hours. So now they go until 1130 at night, which helps mm-hmm. people get to their jobs and back home again and can second, do second shift. It's, it's just made a huge difference right. for individuals riding. Um, and for, for our listeners right now, I would say, well, a few people have gotten on and off the bus, but we're here with probably 12 people um, that have been riding with us and going on and off. And it looks like a lot of them are coming coming from work. Right. <laughs> um, so we've got this as this kind of economic development right. driver. So how does that fit into how you envision like the importance of investing in infrastructure, economic development? Like, how does how does right. transit? What role does it play? Well, I, everything is kind of interconnected. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, from a business perspective, from you know economic development, from you know quality of life for, for folks, um, jobs, um, and and I know there's a. a, a a cluster of jobs, you know, a lot of the hospitality jobs, downtown Greenville, there's a desperate need for transportation from outside the city into the city and back. Um, I do know that the ridership, if I don't know all the numbers, I don't geek out on all this stuff, but um, the ri- I've got some charts I can show you, <laughs> yeah, man. don't worry. <laughs> the, the, uh, the ridership, I know, I think is starting to pick up in the county. And so we, yep. I think, I, I've been told we've got more riders in the county you do, than uh, we do in the city. You being so. a county representative. Right. So y'all, um, right. the county is about 60%, I think, about of ridership right now. Um, it, it, some, and sometimes it's as much as 70, depending on what it is. Right. But it's that, right, it's that as... It's, a, I think, an outgrowth of gentrification, right? More people right. are buying in close to downtown, and the people who, you know, have to move out because they can't afford to be there anymore are looking for more affordable housing. They go out further, but they still have to come in, and, and they may not be able to have enough money um, right. to also have a car right? as well. Well, and, and you know, it's it's also interconnected with that sprawl in, in infill. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, it, it, I, I'm not a, an expert on these matters, but I was thinking on my way in this morning, you know, the farther out we sprawl, the more taxing I would think it would be on the bus system because you have to have more buses, more miles. Yeah, more miles to run. You know, and, and so... Well, um, it's interesting. So the so I was saying about the 1,900, you know, per square mile right now or in most recent data for Greenville. Right. Seattle, which has an outstanding bus system, is 8,000 people per this square mile, right? So they, that density really, I mean, we don't need to squish it right in Greenville County and right. <laughs> like, you know... Right that much but what i'm just saying is part of the reason they're effective and efficient like you're saying Mm -hmm. is that they're all there's some density there where the buses can run on major thoroughfares and then people can connect into that system really easy and what you find is everybody rides the bus in a system like that because it's just it's just way easier right right so well i i don't have all the answers um but i you know i I i've tried to be supportive of of green link and the bus system and i think you guys have done a pretty good job of of bringing awareness to the problem i think director keel and and other folks at the system have done a great job and you know we we do have to continue to expand and we do have to make sure that you have the resources to um you know get the buses out and expand the hours where we can um you know i know i see the buses a lot more frequently in malden the golden strip where i represent and it's always good to see. So. Yeah, you've got a you've got a little uh, link route that. Now we're not on that right now, everybody. We're going up east, north, and out. Right now we're near think the we're hospital. In, think yeah. we're in Chris Harrison's this district. Okay, so. yeah, we're out here this direction right now, but uh, but we didn't we didn't go out to the hop on the connector <laughs> out of the mall. But um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for that expansion, and, and I think that's some of the pressure we're going to see. So 
uh, Greenlink is adding a maintenance facility, which the county mm-hmm. donated the land. Right. So that's going to be a ma- that's really an amazing opportunity for Greenlink to expand its fleet and to upgrade its its ability to take care of that fleet with electric buses and things like that too. So I think that's going to be really good. Um, but by doubling its fleet, it's going to move from every, once an hour to once every thirty minutes. Right. Um, and again, that talk about you know being more efficient and more reliable. I think that's right. people are just right. going to go. Oh yeah, only, it's every thirty minutes. I can just go. It's, it's just easier to fit into your day. Right. Um, and to use it kind of as a quality of life issue. So I think that's going to be um, really helpful uh, for the community overall is to, to see that maintenance facility come online and the expansion of routes and things like that. Um, do you have any concerns about, like, the tensions, like you were talking about budget-wise with the, you know, as finance chair, what do you see? You've got a lot of things pulling at this finite amount right. of, of money. Right. Um, and yet you've got, you know, again, we're on the no, bus. We're talking about economic development, about right. people where they need to go. But, you know, you could somebody else on the other side of you could make an argument that we need more investment somewhere else. So how, right. how do you navigate those decisions and how do you prioritize them? You know, I think it comes back to what I said earlier about getting council to put down our battle axes and sit down and look at its setting priorities. Since I've been on council, we've had two budgets come through. The first budget, there was literally no collaboration on the budget this budget um this most recent budget i think there was a little more collaboration but it fell apart so i don't really know what the outlook is going to be for the next budget um i don't know if i'll be finance chairman um i think the elections are going to uh tell the tale you know in a couple weeks we'll know what the uh what the makeup of council is going to look like is it is it going to be a 6-6 tie again, or is it? Is there going to be a... Is there some sort of... Yeah, you know, this is a big deal uh, for the community overhaul and, uh, and and broadly about our future. I mean, this is an important election right. for, for the future of Greenville. Right. Well, and so, you know, right now for the last... For about the last year and a half, we have been stymied with a 6-6 tie. And so, you know, there have been attempts to try to bridge some gaps... But the current ruling coalition just will not allow anything that the other side wants to talk about to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the chairman, the current chairman, Willis Meadows, he was very deliberate in his, what he did is he went through the committees after after things started falling apart about six, eight months, 12 months ago. He went through the committees and reassigned people so that he basically controlled every committee on council, especially finance. So he basically booted two of two of our folks off count off finance committee and installed two of his votes on on finance. And and that's why you've heard me lovingly refer to it as the kill committee. Because basically he can send whatever he wants I have to, heard to you finance. Say that a few times at yeah. county. If anybody's not listening to county council meetings, they're kind of like the real housewives of atlanta right now um you could do drinking games you can have all sorts of fun if you watch it on uh, the live stream well it's it's kind of like the, like uh, uh desperate housewives meets freddy krueger because there's a bunch of old men in it that yeah <laughs> that look scary when they're mad so <laughs> um but anyway um you know with that six six tie it's it's really been hard to to build consensus um no either side can't get anything passed. A six-six right. tie is 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 a is a dead vote. So yeah. um, my hope is that you know if the elections will help break some of that apart, 
whether their side wins or whether our side wins, um, my hope is that we Just can kind of start building some consensus some more around, around right, some things. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I do want to say, Dan, I appreciate you coming to ride with me today because, as I mentioned at the, at the start of this, you don't really have to. I mean, you could just sit there and be unopposed and, and hang out down in Malden Simpsonville area and just do whatever you want. And nobody's going to bother you for the next four years. But right. uh, engaging with the public and talking to us about things is always helpful. Um, it certainly helps uh, our community as a whole strengthen because we, we become educated about these issues right. and, uh, and get to know our elected officials a little bit more. Well, it's important to do that, whether you're up for re-election or not. I think it's important. I think that's what... You know, our representative republic or democracy, however you describe it, that's what it's all about is, you know, I represent, you know, 30,000, 40,000 people and, and I need to be accessible so they can they can hear from me. So I all appreciate right. you giving me the opportunity to do that. Well, this is great. Well, I appreciate you riding the 509 with me today. Thank it's you. Really Thank good. you. It's good to be and, here. And uh, listeners, it's great to have you on and we're, uh, the election's coming up, so make sure you get out there and vote because your vote really matters. This one's an important one. Every vote counts. Thank you, Erin. The Greenville Transit Podcast has been brought to you by Greenville Connects and is produced by the Greenville Podcast Company. Please make sure to check us out and give us five stars so everybody can find us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.